add some. It means I am here. It means I am present. And there's also a play on words there, because if I can add something to your life in these podcasts, hopefully you'll be inspired to add something to someone else's. Welcome. Hello, everybody. I wanted this first series of my podcast to be based around the question, what matters to us? And why might that matter to someone else? And when I had thought of that theme, I knew immediately that the first guest I wanted on my podcast was my good friend Terry Bartlow. I first met Terry Bartlow when he was my youngest son Alex's elementary school teacher. He was teaching Alex in his fourth and fifth grade. And I knew already that he was a master teacher, full of heart, full of love full of creativity and a real rebel against the system, (laughs) which made me love him even more. Uh, And then something happened. And when you and I meet, dear listener, you can buy me a cocktail and I will tell you the most extraordinary story. Synchronicity. Ha! Coincidence. Ha! Of how Terry and I really got to know each other and became great friends. And ever since then, we've been friends and colleagues and partners. We've done workshops together, uh, and we've done work in schools together. And I really wanted Terry, as I say. I wanted to know what Terry thought about the question, what matters to you, and why would that matter to others? So I went to sit with Terry. Uh, We sat around his kitchen table. We listened to his dog scratching at the kitchen door, trying to get get into disturbers, and just enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Ladies and gentlemen, Terry Bartlow. Just before I ask you the question I planned to ask you, I must tell you a little anecdote. (laughs) Okay. I uh, was getting ready this morning to come here and just needed to remind myself um, because you know my electronic devices tell me what to do, <laughs> you know. Just need to remind myself what the drive time was from my house to your house, and so I opened up Apple Maps and put Cotopaxi in, which is the name of the street, obviously. And Apple Maps said this is a significant address. Ah, significant address. A significant address, address <laughs> which I thought was an interesting signal for given we're going to talk about what matters and how do we know. Well, one of the reasons, apparently Apple will tell us. <laughs> <laughs> we got the stamp of approval from, yeah. from virtual reality. That's good. Well, it's, it just struck me that, I mean, clearly what they mean is you go here a lot and therefore it must be significant to you. But <laughs> I just thought it was very interesting that it was the word significant as opposed to regularly visited or whatever that might be. Right. Yeah. Huh, that is funny. <laughs> so, yeah, so the question I was going to ask you first was, this is a series about what matters to us and how that might matter to other people. But literally, as I was driving to this significant address this morning in the car, I was thinking, but what are the experiences? How, how do we work out that some things matter? Where do we, where do we get that from? Yeah, yeah. What's, what's significant yeah. in, our, in our every day? Yes. Um, yeah. I, um, did, yeah. I've mentioned to you before, um, earlier, um, that uh, that for a long time, for many years, I've started my days with Psalm 5-3. Uh-huh. Um, in the morning, O Lord, I order my prayer to you and eagerly watch all day long. 
And it's that eagerly watching that really excites me because that is, that is what makes the day, yeah. right? It would make, to me, it makes the day tick. I'm always looking for that moment, for that person or that situation when I feel like that's the only place that, that my presence, my being, only I can step into that moment and make a difference hmm. for that person or that situation. And, and I believe that's the way uh, we're designed. I believe every person that's ever lived, we all have individual, unique DNA. Yes. Um, every person that's ever lived and ever will live yes. has a purpose, a role, a place in our world. And, and what excites me is the opportunity to find that and look for that every day Yes. and be in it. Yes. Being here, being present. How do I show up yes. and live in those moments and embrace them yes. and be all I can be for myself, but also for the person that I'm giving to? Yeah. It makes a huge, huge impact on the world. So can you give a, an example of how you've been in one of those moments? Yeah, recently? yeah, yeah. Last week. Um, so I was in Michigan visiting, uh, visiting uh, one of my very good friends, and we were just driving. We were, I went fishing. We fished for about two hours, and we had three days to fish. So we just drove and visited more than anything. Yeah. But we ended up one night in a little town in uh, kind of the middle of Michigan. I think the town's name was Broward. And we went to a little restaurant for dinner, and we're sitting there. And the waitress comes over, it was a small, you know, as you could tell, it was a small community yeah. diner. And the waitress comes over, and she was, you know, middle-aged, um, well, younger, younger in, 30-ish, you know, later 30s lady. And, uh, and she came over, and, um, you know, you know how, how uh, those cafes go, restaurants, diners go. They come, and you maybe a little small talk. But she came over, and she said, you guys are sitting at my favorite table. <laughs> and... Uh, and so Glenn and I were talking, my friend and I were talking there, and, and it was kind of like, well, this is almost an invasion, right, of our, of our conversation about fishing and where we're going next. And, you know, we were having some deep moments, you know, in our conversations. And, uh, and, and then I thought, wait a minute. She just said this is her favorite table. Yes. What's she wanting to say yes. beyond this is her favorite table? Yes. So I said, well, tell, tell me about that. And so she pointed to the pictures above us on the wall. And she said, these pictures were drawn by my daughter. Oh. I'm a little girl. Mm. And I said, really? What is her name? What's your daughter's name? Well, her name is Becca. Um, Becca from Boward. Right. Is what I started calling her, right? <laughs> and so since that, Becca from Boward has been on, on, on my mind and in my prayer life, just praying that, you know, she grows up as a little girl, as a little aspiring artist. Yes. That she will find her voice in, in that place. Yes. So there was just one of those things. Just yeah. a, a, a young waitress in, in a town in the middle of Michigan that I will never, ever see again. Yes. Perhaps. Who knows, right? Sure. Um, but that moment. Yeah. To say, tell me about, well, tell me more about, so tell me more about your daughter. Yes. And so we listened for yes. five or ten minutes. She talked while somebody else waited on her, her other table. <laughs> she said, oh my, I talked too much. <laughs> no, you talked just right, right? So there's that inviting someone into that space and them inviting. It just happens. Yes. It happens every day to all of us. Yes. But it's just making ourselves aware that this is a place to step into or maybe a place to step out of. It's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, one of the p pillars, you might call them, one of the pillars for unconditional communication, I think, is intentionality. Mm -hmm. Is this whole idea that 
we, we could get through the entire day not saying a single word, and therefore that since zero words is a possibility, what words will you actually choose to speak with intentionality? Yeah? And the idea is there that because those words might matter to other people. Mm-hmm. And I, w- w- from your story, I just got the different perspective is that the words you hear from other people might have an intentionality around for you sure, that right. may or may not have been there for that person. Right. Because you could imagine if, you know, two hours later somebody else sits at that table, she goes over and she says, um, yeah, you're sitting at my favorite table. They go, oh, good. can I have a coffee? Yeah, right. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah. So the idea that other people speaking might actually have significance for us, even if it doesn't sound at first like it's going to have meaning. Yeah. 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 And maybe, maybe not meaning for us, but also playing back for them. Yes. Uh, and there's that idea of, of loneliness. Yeah. You know, and because we never know. No. So there's a, a Hebrew uh, Sabbath prayer that I've uh, I've carried around for years in my mind, and I've, I've posted in my classroom walls. Days pass and years vanish, mm. and we walk sightless among miracles. <laughs> yes. Um, and that, that's that intention, right? Yeah. That we 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 need to open our eyes and our ears to kind of a situational awareness of what's mm. going on around us, mm. the people that we're with. Yes. Um, even our, our, our spouses, our children. Yes. You know, so often, you know, that becomes mundane and routine and ritualistic in our, 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 our bedtime stories. And, and yet those are moments. Yes. Sometimes moments that are, that are miracles. Yes. In our relationships. Yes. That if we're not careful we're blind to them they vanish yeah i uh that's a beautiful prayer i I remember the first time you shared that with me just like wow yeah and one of the reasons i got wow yeah was because um i used to end all of my keynote speeches with a long quotation from a book called in the corner of his eye by dean koontz Mm -hmm. um who on one level is apparently as far away from Hebrew prayers as you could possibly get. You know, he writes trashy <laughs> horror movies, horror stories, you know, but maybe not because I tell you what, you know, I, I actually was speaking about a theme like this to a group and one of that group sent me this quotation and said, David, I think you're saying this, that this character said. And it's part of a uh, sermon, this character, the Reverend White uh, speaks and it starts every day is not without profound significance. No day is without profound meaning. Uh-huh. Because in every day there is the opportunity to, and then I can't remember exactly you know, what the words are then, but it's basically about because every day you're given the opportunity to yeah. hear something, see something, make a difference in somebody's life. Um, e- even just, not, not necessarily by intentionally intervening, but just p- but the fact that you were there. Right, right. You know. Your very presence. Yeah. Now, there's a C.S. Lewis quote um, that really plays right into that because, yeah. because the, the most horrific thing to me is thinking that I'll end a day and I've missed that moment. Yeah. That, that moment has passed. C.S. Lewis wrote, um, each day we're becoming a creature of splendid glory or one of unthinkable horror. <laughs> and, I, and I think, and to, and to think that I have the choice to, that choice to make every day. Yes. And un- unthinkable horror is just missing a moment. Yes. That I could have been beneficial yes. for someone. Yes. Um, 
And then the opposite is true. Yep. You know, that, that living in, 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 you know, splendid glory. Yes. A creature who was created to do that work. Yes. Um, you know, and, and that tra- it's transforming the world minute by minute, moment by moment. In ways that we're often just not going to be aware of. Unaware. We will not be aware of many of the things. That same quotation from Dean Koontz goes on um, because... Uh, it says, you know, because every word of kindness, uh, a birthday remembered, you know, a, a, a word of praise when it's not even required, you know, will grow, is passed on and will grow each time it is passed, you know, and, and basically setting up this idea of it, it just ripples out, you know. Right, yeah. And one of the things I did as a result of reading this and reading it out in my keynotes all the time and really taking it in was I just made this commitment to myself that I was going to do my level best that every single interaction I had with somebody during the day, I was going to try and leave them a little better off, uh-huh. and myself a little better than I was before that conversation. Yeah, every yeah. single person, yeah. And I don't know how I've done about it again, but that was the intention, you know. And similarly, the quotation said, and also any moment where you, and basically he's saying, you know, if you're inadvertently gruff with somebody, or you, know, you, you say a word that's like spiteful, and then you just cast it out, he said that too can grow and will poison people who you will never meet and yeah. never know. Right, so true. Yeah. Um, and, and just one final thing from me on that. It recalls I was in a conversation with a group of people last week, and we were talking about, you know, what might we do as individuals in this world of these mass shootings? You know? And one of the ways the conversation went was this ability to pass on, good as much as we intend it and to avoid bad evil as much as we can and the conversation went to before before it moved off the conversation went to a place of because we might be speaking to the next shooter Mm -hmm. you know somebody you bump into in the mall might turn up and and it occurred to me after the conversation that it's not just that it's just that every day I might meet somebody who later meets somebody who later is a good friend of the next shooter yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so he's, yeah, if, if, if I'm ever given the opportunity to talk somebody out of an act like that, then it's wonderful. But maybe every day I'm putting out the circumstances and possibilities. Absolutely. Yeah, the butterfly effect, the chaos effect yeah, with yeah. Edward Lorenz. Yeah. And that whole, that whole business. Yeah. You know, of, um, you know, the butterfly flapping its wings. Yes. And setting air molecules in, in, in motion that can cause catastrophic uh, uh, major yeah. uh, weather events on the other side of the world. Yes. And you think about the power of that. That's us. Yes. That's us. Yes. And, uh, and we're created to move into those days and, yes. and live and breathe and speak yes. into those moments and places. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just so incredibly powerful and empowering. When yes. people realize that, I think, you know, working with, with kids so much, by the time kids are in our fifth grade, um, they've they've kind of lost that that idea that they have power, mm-hmm. that they have um, the ability to control their life. Yeah, that's a that's a fascinating idea and and transformational if we get that. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of um, Agatha Christie mystery stories and mm-hmm, detective mm-hmm. stories. You know. And, and there's at least one scene, and I think maybe two very similar scenes in very different Agatha Christie books, 
where a character talks somebody out of suicide. And the argument in both, if I'm not misremembering, there are two, two different scenes, but the argument put forth by the character who intervenes is you don't know what your life means. You know, the, the person who's about to jump off the cliff or whatever is saying, my life is meaningless. And the response is, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not yours to know. You know, the, uh, the very fact that you were, uh, tomorrow you might be standing on the street corner and, you know, are able to push somebody out of the way of a car that was coming or, you know, that you were able to say hello to somebody and attract their attention with an eye movement and then they saw the car that was about to hit. You know, you don't know what you're here for in that right. sense, you know. Yeah, you don't know your impact. Yeah. It's, it's the old uh, the old Jimmy Stewart movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Right. You know, until that was revealed, he was ready to jump off the bridge, right? That's right, yeah, and yeah. Clarence shows up and shows him all of the ways the world would be different without his presence. Yes. Um, which is a dream if we boy if we could just if we could give every person that glimpse yeah of their value yes of their of their worth yes to the world because that's where people really come to you know they you know you mentioned the suicide thing is you know people take their lives because they've lost hope yeah um and and to 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 in some way affirm them in the fact that they have hope just yes. because of of their presence because they are yes and they can impact the world yes in significant ways yes and significant is often little yes little subtle ways yes are very significant oh absolutely absolutely yeah the you know my my mom bless her who's about to visit us here in Colorado for the first time you know 87 years old and <laughs> she's a coming that's going to be fun I'm it's going to be wonderful meeting her you know and you know, she won't be showing this. She has suffered many years of her life with depression. I mean, deep bouts of depression. Um, and I, as a as a boy growing up with her, you know, heard her say many times, words to the effect, my life does not matter. My life does not matter. Which, on any objective level, for the rest of the family hearing that, was like, how can you be so mistaken? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because clearly you matter to us. Clearly you've been an amazing mother and you did this and that and you've cared for us and grown us and developed us and you've taught us. How can you say that? But it, you know, depression like, which gets close to suicide, that sense of no future, I can't see a future that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, does leave people with this sense of, I, it, it erases all the uh, the, the possibilities I have have had and will have to make a difference and just puts this big black spot in front of it. You know? Yeah, right, right. And it's interesting, isn't it? You, you mentioned your mom and, and I, you, know, you know, you've uh, been at my parents' house and have met my parents. And, yeah. and a, a, fam- a familiar story for me uh, a few weeks ago, my cousin was out, and we were fishing with my dad, who's eighty nine. Mm. So you, you, your dad, or my mm. dad and your mom are about the same age, and mm. and dad's gotten to where he's not walking real well, and mm. and we were on the we were uh, at a lake fishing, and and uh, uh, he needed to get up. He was at a lawn chair there on the lakeside, and and he was having trouble casting his line, and then he couldn't get out of his chair. He needed to stand up, and and uh, my cousin and I walked over and, and helped him up, and he he made the statement. He said, "I'm just worthless." Oh. Right, and this is an 89-year-old man who was, um, to me, bigger than life. Yes, you know, growing up, he was a railroader and and strong and and all those things. And and I asked him, I said, Dad, 
what makes you think you're worthless? Yes. Why can't even get up out of a chair? Yeah. Um, at that moment. And so we talked a little, a little bit, and I, I, I had done some camps this summer on neuroscience and, and taking thoughts captive and, mm. and recognizing the power of a thought. Mm. And so I, I told him, I said, Dad, um, you need to stop and think about every word you speak to yourself. Yes. Or out loud, like you just said, I'm worthless is yes. a thought that you need to, to take that thought and you need to say to yourself now, mm. that's not true. Mm. That's not true. I'm not worthless. I've got two boys who've grown up and have had, you know, I mean, I, I certainly haven't had um, world acclaim, mm. but, you know, as I look over my life, the, the kids that I've worked with and touched and loved, you know, that's significant. My sister, you know, you've raised three kids yes. that have gone on and you've got grandkids and you've got great grandkids and You've you had a great life. Mm. So worthless is the farthest thing from what <laughs> sure. you should be telling yourself. So yes. you need to kind of counteract those negative thoughts and statements with yes. what is true. Yes. What is true about you? Yes. Because you are significant. You're far from worthless. Yeah. So that yeah, that's uh, boy. I totally understand that. Going through uh, that with our parents and older people who are listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, you're not worthless. Find somebody like David and I, us young guys, and uh, take us under your arm, right? I was just writing a section of the book yesterday, or rewriting a section of the book, where I was talking about um, the whole idea of being creative. And, you know, I, I, I know you've read a, a draft of the book, Terry, and there's a, I tell a story about our theatre days. Right, right. And what came from that, and I say, well, you know, reading, you mustn't interpret that that creativity that Alan and I demonstrated was because we were actors and you're a teacher or a yes. CEO or whatever. You know, no, uh, it's available to all of us. And one of the ways that it's available more often is we get out of our own way to allow the creativity to come, to come through. And what I was rewriting yesterday was what would that look like or what would it sound like? And the first thing I wrote was, it would sound like less calling ourselves names, like we are worthless, mm -hmm. or yeah. I can't do this, or I am not creative, you know, because those words impact not just other people, but us, you know, right. as you were saying. Yeah. And, and so just to get from that place of recognizing that those words might want to come out of our mouths and say, no, I'm not going to say that. Yes, so true. That's that taking that thought captive. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and it's really... <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great expression, is that? Taking right? the thought captive. Yeah, taking the thought captive. Yeah. Um, and, and, and determining, is, that, is, is it true? Or is part of it true? Maybe yes. part of it is true. Yes. So then, but but I'm, I'm not succumbing to just a defeatist attitude. No. And believing that general untruth. Yes. Because it's not, nobody's worthless. Yeah. There's some value in all of us. I just love the intentionality behind keep taking a thought captive. Reminds me of Steve Chandler, a guy who's coached me over the years. He, he used to do these, this thing in, in his keynote speech where he used to take his hands up like this and, and say to the audience, what are these? <laughs> They're hands. <laughs> and he said, yes, they are my hands. And look, he said, I can do these. I can wave them here. I can put them here. I can put them in my pocket. I can fold my arms. I'm in control of my hands. And basically his point was, and we think we are less in control of our thoughts than we actually are. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that's really a powerful. It's a really example. powerful. It's, it's always stayed with me. And, and, and it's, 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 it's true because 
until somebody comes along and say, hey, you might want to take captive of that thought. I think the default thinking about our thinking is that these thoughts just parade around like like the ball in the um, what do they call that thing? Yeah, the pinball machine. The pinball yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bong, 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 <laughs> we don't have control over them, but we do. Right, right. But we do. Um, Edwin, Edwin McManus, uh, the book, his book, Art, The Artisan Soul. Yeah. Um, um, in fact, I'm getting ready to, to lead a, a small group on uh, through that book on, mm. and the whole idea is that David, it's it's that business of that we were we are all created. If you're if you're a creationist, a, a believer in God. Mm. Um, you you know that you were designed by a creator. That, yes. that there's incredible design in nature. Mm. And so it is with you that you if you're designed, if you were created in your creator's image, mm. you have a creative bent. You are mm. so words, um, actions, everything we do is create we're creating our own lives. Yes. Every day we live, these yes. moments that we've talked about. Yes. You know, we choose whether we're going to step into them or not. Yes. And that's part of creating that life. That's right. Um, so it's a willful, <laughs> we're back to the word intent, right? Intent, it's yeah. Intent. Intentful, intentive creation, I guess, is, is where we're at. Yeah, and this is, this is really fundamental for me, Terry. You know, one of the things I've really got clear on recently is that whole idea that unless we can shift as individuals and as groups, as neighborhoods, communities, whatever... But certainly as individuals, unless we can shift our self-identity towards that of creator, agent, somebody who can make things happen, then all the best advice in the world is not going to be is not going to be anything other than sort of interesting. Yes, that's you know right. we talk a lot nowadays about purpose. You know, finding your purpose. All right, my purpose is X. Great. Without a sense of agency that I can make that happen, or I can find ways to make it happen, or I can find people to make it happen with me, then the purpose alone is not going to drive you forward. You know, right. You have to right. Get that identity of, you know, and I, I, been so many times in my consulting career in businesses where you know they'll tell me about why they've called me in, and they'll so I ask them about what they think the problem is, and, and so they tell these stories about what the problem is, and sometimes I've said, wow. <laughs> You people were cursed by a witch. We need to go back in time and find out when a witch came by cursed. You know, and the teasing point, and sometimes I get thrown out at that point. But where they, where they allow me to stay in the room, my point is that you are not facing anything which is not human made. Yeah, right. And yeah. the good news, therefore, is you can remake it differently. You know, uh, you, you, you or somebody else made this. And you have those same abilities, and therefore you can remake it, yes. create it differently. Yes, yeah. uh, that reminds me of another C.S. Lewis quote. Uh -huh. And we said, what you see and what you hear depends a great deal on where you're standing. It also depends on what sort of person you are. Yes. So what sort of person you've created yourself to be. You, yes. you know, the choice that you've made. Am I negative or positive? Am I choosing to have good thoughts, yep. true thoughts? Or am I just filling my, my mind with... Uh, things that really don't matter mm. and trivial things. A teacher I heard last week talk about, um, uh, he was talking to some Gen Z kids and one of the kids waved his phone in, in his teacher's face and said, I really don't need you. I have all, I have all, all the knowledge in the world yeah, yeah. from ages past to the present yeah. on my phone. Yeah. And this teacher said, you also have all of the world's stupidity <laughs> on your phone. It's my job to help you understand the difference. That's right. right? 
And so it's, it's that business of, of discerning and knowing where we are and where we stand. That's right. Um, and how if, we if ever, If ever for one moment I want to uh, lower my spirits and sense of optimism, <laughs> <laughs> I log on to CNN.com or FoxNews.com <laughs> yeah. and look, not at, the, not at the news reports, the discussion threads underneath. <laughs> I'll say, unless we arrest the deterioration of civilization in this way, <laughs> this is the there is no hope. <laughs> because talk about the idea of, you know, communication being used for, you know, the, the, my words are going to wind you up or hurt you or belittle you or demean you or... <sighs> And it, the, the ease with which people seem able to do that, you know, the, uh, the, the, I guess it gives them some sort of sense of relief, but, but again, you know, it, it's like, we don't have anybody, here's me writing a book basically about how to improve communication. You know, there's nobody, there's nobody else out there writing books about how to belittle somebody because apparently we're very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got master's degrees, right? uh, yeah. advanced degrees. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I think it's that moment when we when we ask ourselves, how how can I love this person even in the midst of of, um, of hateful speech or yes. or uh, or hateful action? Yes, um, it's asking myself, how can I love that person? One of the things I loved, you know, in teaching when I had um, when I had a classroom was was my love chair that belonged, <laughs> that belonged to my great grandparents. Um, and that that's, that chair has a story behind it, but I I loved having that in my classroom. And and if one of my students was having a struggle on a certain day, I could say, "You need to go sit in the love chair, and I'm going to come and talk to you in a little bit, yes. and find out you know what's wrong because yes. something's wrong. I can tell. And the student might be crying. They might have come in, and maybe their cat had been yeah run away or or maybe their parents had had a fight. The, these things happened almost every day. That mm. some student was assigned to go to the love chair and do nothing except sit there and think mm. about being loved and how they are loved. Yes. And, uh, and then that was part of our conversation, you know, Beautiful. is that I can't fix all of your stuff. I can't, I can't fix it all. Yes. But in the middle of it all, you need to know yes. that there are people that do love you. And that's, you know, yeah. that's the best I can do. That's the best I can offer. Yeah. So you got to tell me, as we come towards the end of our time, uh, you got to tell us all the story of, I love you, Mr. Bartlow. Because <laughs> <laughs> my mind had started going with the, the whole idea of the love chair and, and, you know, how we seem to be also creating a world which has got very sensitive about love and yeah, yeah, what we yeah. mean by love and, you know, and, and so anyway, tell yeah. the story. Well, so it's I, a beautiful I, story. David, you know, you know, you've heard the story. I, I ran away from that for, for several years. I'd been teaching probably... 10, 15 years at that time, and and this was about eight years ago. Um, mm-hmm. A student who was uh, was in the uh, in the resource room, special education student, and he was in my classroom. Uh, this was a fourth grade class, and uh, and he came to my to my class. I'd known him the year before, um, mm-hmm. kind of uh, you know in the hallways, and we we'd had conversations. But he came to the first day of school in August, about seven or eight years ago, and. And uh, I opened the door, and and the shrill voice screamed out, "I love you, Mr. Barlow," and uh, and I recoiled from that because you know years of training and, and mm. you know growing up and fears of 
pedophilia and yes. all, you know, all the, the, the concerns that come with conversations and, you know, being very careful about all of that. Um, I, I, I was shocked that, <laughs> that a student would say that. And yet, you know, grown up in a very loving culture and environment yes. and, and, uh, and believe strongly that the answer to all of our world's problems is, is simply love, loving yes. one another. Um, but I didn't know what to do with that. So I was silent um, for the most part, um, with the exception of um, good morning, you know, to this young man. Good morning, Austin. Um, <laughs> until, until January. And over the Christmas break that year, so for from August to, to, to December, I really didn't acknowledge his, and every day it was the same greeting. I love you, Mr. Barlow. And he said it with force and with volume. Yes. And, and I always responded, good morning, Austin. Um, completely running away from this reality that this young man was expressing. That's right. And, uh, and I read uh, a Max Licato book over the, over the holiday, and it, it really got me thinking. It was a book called On the Anvil, uh, about shaping who we are. And, and something in there, I can't remember exactly what, but it struck a chord. And I thought, this is wrong. This is just wrong of me not to have acknowledged yes. his expression. Yes. And uh, so I went back in January. I opened the door, and, and I said... Um, I love you, Austin. I beat him to it. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it was at that moment that I think I felt more human in my teaching than ever I had before. Wow. Um, it, it really changed uh, a lot about yes. the way I... And I'd always, you know, loved and treated my students with respect. Yes. But it was then that we began to use some different language. Yes. And it really made a difference for my students. Sure. I felt like I felt like my students really genuinely felt that they were loved and safe and secure yes. when they came and went from my classroom. And they loved being there. Wow. And that was, um, if I can take anything away from my career, I would say that is probably the most valuable thing um, that I, I had to offer. Yes. You know, and there's some really brilliant kids that came out of my classroom, your son included, <laughs> right? Um, and, Alex, uh, are you listening? <laughs> Some great kids, uh, but far exceeding that academic um, mark is that that business to, to let them know they're significant in the world. Yes. Um, whether they're an A student or they just didn't make the grade at all. Yes. Um, they're significant Yeah. to me and yes. to the people around them. Beautiful. A couple of things after that, just very quickly. So often when I sit with you, Terry, I think about things which you did in your teaching career, which we've talked about, which I think we should just teach that as a curriculum for kids early on in their lives. I'm just thinking about significance. You yeah, know? Right, right. We have midlife crises where we go, what does my life mean? It's insignificant. <laughs> and then we find out it means something. Yeah? Why should we wait all those years? <laughs> Why don't we start kids off with an idea of you are significant, you're going to be significant. How great is that? You yeah, know? I love that idea. You know, you, let's talk about that. Let's do some classes about that. Let's talk about some classes about what your purpose might be. You know, all of that articulation. Yeah, what of, a, great, what a yeah. great idea. Turn the world upside down, Terry. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to say was just wanted to hook back to the conversation we were having earlier on about how we how do we know where we might make a difference. You mentioned that this, the shift, one of the shifts for you was when you read the book. What was he called? On, on the Anvil. On the Anvil. And I'm just thinking, whenever that author wrote that book... He had no idea that no somebody idea. called Terry Butler was one day going to read that book and that was going to cause him to shift 
Right, yeah. His whole relationship with yeah. teaching, and for Austin in particular, and everybody in general, yeah. Yeah. He had no idea. No idea. <laughs> but it no, did. None. Yeah. Yeah. And words. There we are. Back to words. Words yeah. matter. Yeah. And the intent. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. This has been fun. Thank you, Terry. I love this. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it again. Okay. I'll look forward to it. <laughs>